Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. The sun's out. My wife is home from her vacation. So all is right with the world. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I think what, what Dylan was talking about there is super important to the Lord um, because he's, he's after our motive more than he's after our action because if he can change our heart, our actions will follow. He's not about you just faking it and being something and doing something for the sake of doing. He's about your heart being transformed so that the fruit of your life actually looks like what he created you to be. And, um, and if we never are honest with ourselves in those moments, like, you know, it could be anything. Who knows? The, the finance is the one <clears throat> that Dylan brought up. But, I mean, there's so many places in the Word where we can see God's heart for his children. And yet, if there's something in our heart that, that, that shrinks back, that pulls back, that feels like, ooh, when that gets talked about, being, being honest with ourselves in that moment is super important. And it's far more important to be honest with ourselves and to actually go to him and ask him to deal with that than it is to just do whatever the right thing is to do in the moment. Because you can keep doing the right thing, but if you're not being changed, eventually you won't be able to keep doing. And you'll come to the end of yourself, and if nothing's changed, and your heart hasn't been transformed, and you aren't actually being transformed into the image of Jesus, you're just acting like what you think Jesus should act like. It's not going to last and then you'll have one of those moments where you crash and burn or when you, you, you don't have the opportunity to remember what am I supposed to be like. See, it's easy, like, it's super easy when you have time to think about what would, what would Jesus do? What would the actions, you know, what is the Christian thing to do here? You know, you hear somebody said something about you and, if, you know, it kind of hurts, hurts you and maybe you're a little bit angry, bothered, whatever the case is, and you, you start, you take a little bit of offense to it, you know, and you open the door and the enemy starts speaking, how dare they say that about you? How could they say that about you? Look at their life. And all of a sudden now you've built this case against them in your mind. And, but you also have some time before you see that person and you start to think and you're like, yeah, but what would, how would Jesus respond? And so you formulate the Christian response in your mind, but yet you allow the unchristlike response to dwell in your heart. And now you've got this duality thing going on where what's in your heart doesn't match what you're thinking in your mind. And so when you see that person, what's in your heart is, how dare you say that about me? You blah, blah, blah. And you want to just build your, you know, give them the case that you've already built and lay it out to them and let them know how wrong they were and what they've done and all this stuff. That's what's in your heart, but what comes out of your mouth is, hey, I love you. And anybody watching, maybe the person who told you what they said about you would think, wow, that's really Christ-like. Because they know what that person said about them, and yet they're acting and telling them that they love them. But while man's busy looking at the outside, God's looking at the heart and seeing that really what's in your heart doesn't line up with what's coming out of your mouth. He's not interested in that. He wants your heart so that when you see that person, whether it's in a moment or whether it's been years, the response of your heart is right so that the fruit of your mouth actually lines up with what you feel in your heart rather than what comes out of your mouth being opposite of what's going on in your heart. Because he has no interest in you acting your way through life. 
He wants you to be transformed so you can live the life he called you to live. See, it, it, I mean, to, let's just be honest. Like, it's really easy to know what people expect and to become that in a moment. Anybody can do that. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 you turn on the television, and there you see it. You see people acting the way that you expect they would act for the role that they're playing for the movie that they're in. And that's okay when, you know, well, maybe it is depending on what you're doing. But, <laughs> but, but if, you're, if, if you're being paid to do that or you're doing that for fun, but you know in your mind, like, this isn't real. I'm just doing this to entertain people. But the problem becomes when it's actually the way that you live life. So you live your life figuring out what should I do in this situation? What should I be like? Who should I become? And then you become that in the moment. And everybody watching, looking on would say, Man, that's awesome. Look at that person. But the, in your heart, there's anything but that going on. And the problem is the longer you do that, the more your heart knows that what you're living isn't true and you become heart sick. And your, heart, your, your mind and your heart have this war going on because what you feel and know is true doesn't line up with the way that you think. That's why it says to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to be changed by actually having the way that we think renewed because every action starts with thought. So the way that we think when it becomes like he thinks leads to actions that act like he acts, and it comes from a place of purity and a place of truth. Because see, here's the thing. The, the what is far less important than the why. It, it's our motive that God's after he wants to change our motive. He wants to change the why behind the what. Because if he changes the why, the what will take care of itself. But if you work, focus on the what's, the why could remain the same. In your whole life, you're trying to change the what's, and the why hasn't changed. So you could be doing all this stuff. Like There's people who literally like are finding their identity and their place through a gifting or through serving. or, or through and, and all these things are not bad things. Like literally, you, you, there's people who will serve in a church, and that's a good thing to do. Like give their time and serve and serve people. And, and on the outside, everyone's like, man, what a servant's heart they have. And it's really, you know, they're doing something that is a good thing. But in their heart, they're doing it to find their identity or to find their value or to find their worth. And then after a while, if they don't receive what they think they should receive from people for what they're doing, you have these people that will say things like, you know, I, after all these years of me doing this and this is, and why did you do it then? I did it for this many years and no one said, well, you're doing it for a thank you? See, because if the why isn't changed, the what, eventually you'll come to the end of. Because there's a reason, and when that reason isn't met, it no, it no longer becomes worth it. And no one can do it forever unless the why is right, unless the reason is right unless the motivation of our hearts and the reason we're doing what we're doing has changed. And, and so I was thinking about that this, this past week, actually quite a bit, and, um, and I was thinking about the, 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 the need that we have to make sure, where it talks about, you know, above all else, guard your heart, for from it, from it, from it flow the issues of life. And I was thinking about how, like, you know, we get born again, and it's like there's this rapid change, right? We come to this place where it's like, I need a Savior. Like, I, we're, we're just burdened by the guilt and the shame and the weight of our sin, and we see our lives, and we see them for what they truly are. Not through candy-coated glasses, not through making excuses for the things in our life, but we see our life for what it actually is. And we come to the end and we realize, oh, we're broken, right? You're just broken. You need a Savior. You realize like how far you've fallen short of the glory of God. 
And so there's this time of repentance where like you, you see it and you see God, you see that he sent his son to die on a cross and give his life and shed his blood. And he became sin that knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And this offer is made of give up all that was never meant to be yours for everything I created you for in this exchange of the gospel where Jesus Christ comes and takes on our sin. He takes on, it says he became sin. It wasn't an act for him. It doesn't say he acted sinful so that you could act righteous. It says he literally became sin so that you could literally become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the exchange that's offered. Isn't that beautiful? It's like he's not interested in an act. He's not interested in just modifying the way that you act. He actually wants you to become something, so he became something first. He became your sin so that in exchange you could become the righteousness of God. He took everything that was due you, every responsibility, every weight of sin, every guilt, every shame, everything for everything that you would ever do, he took it all. And then offered you the righteousness that was the reward for his obedience in exchange. That's incredible. And this gospel comes alive to us and we see that that God so loved the world he gave his only son that he didn't send Jesus so that he could love me. He actually sent him because he loved me. I was never unloved. I was never unloved. I actually was always loved. And it was because of his love for me that he sent his son, not so that he could. He wasn't in heaven, you know, ready to just smite me and, 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 and hating me and wishing he'd never created me. And then Jesus came in with this plan of, of, hey, let me go die for them. No, it says the father sent him out of his great love for us. Because he loved you, not so that he could. And he actually reveals that there was more to you than just being a sinner. He reveals that when the righteousness of God comes, what you were truly created for could actually be seen. And so we have these things, right? And, and it seems like in that moment, like, like everything changes. And, 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 and because now you no longer are living for yourself, right? Like because you denied yourself to follow Jesus. And the motive of your life is I'm no longer living selfishly. I don't care about what I want in everything. I actually bend my knee to the Father. What does he want? What is your will, Father? Just like Jesus. If Jesus had to do it, how much more will we have to find ourselves in a place of saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. And so we, we understand that. And, and and so many things changed. Like I remember when I, when I got born again, it was, you know, I mean, I've, I've told this story before, but I mean, I was, in, I, I was in the middle of just an absolute drug binge. I'd been up for days. I was high on so many drugs. I didn't even know which way I should feel. I felt like I was going to die an overdose. So I broke into my parents' house because I didn't want to die in the crack house that I was living and selling drugs in. And I broke in at three in the morning. I went into the bathroom. I looked in the mirror. It looked like the devil looking back at me. And I just said, God, if you're real, either, either change me or let me die. And, 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 I, and in that moment, I instantly sobered up and I instantly saw the truth and I knew, oh my gosh, you're real and I need, it. I need you. I, I, I can't do this. And I gave him my life in a moment, right? And in a moment, away from me went the desire to do drugs. Away from me went the, the, the desire to live selfishly at other people's expense and all those things that I'd given my life to for so long. Never again touched another drug. Never again even wanted to. Not only was like the, not only was the behavior changed, but he changed my desire. You know, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't just mean delight yourself in him and then ask him for an airplane. It means when your delight is him, you find that the desires and the things you want deep inside your heart start to line up with his desires because he's your delight. And so, so, uh, so that happened, right? But, but so it's like, it, it, it's, it's like all of a sudden everything changes and you're just like, wow, this is amazing. 
And then maybe a few weeks later, God shows you something else. And then a few weeks later, he shows you another thing. And you realize, like, I'm being refined. Like, there was this moment where, like, you know, when they're, when they're mining for gold, it's like there's all this dirt and rubble and worthless stuff, and there's this one little piece of gold, and they're trying to get everything out to get to that one piece of gold. And when that happens, I feel like that's the, a great example of the born-again life. Like, like, the real you, the gold of you, is plucked from the dirt and the filth that you were immersed with and surrounded by and cleansed and brought and set apart. And that's, like, what it's like when you're born again. Like, you're just pulled from that. But then that gold has to be refined. And, 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 and this isn't a process where there's these huge rocks and boulders being removed. It's actually small little impurities that over time work themselves to the surface as they're refining it and where they continually get skimmed and that gold gets more and more purified. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll forget the purification process and we'll make life about that one moment when we were plucked from all the dirt and the rubble and the mud and cleaned off, which is an amazing time. But, in, but forget that God's not satisfied with just what was pulled from the dirt that he actually wants to continually purify so that you become more and more pure and more and more look like the image of his son whom you were created to look like. This, this is what he's after. That's what sanctification is. It's, it's this process where it's like he continually starts to show us stuff. And, and I feel like it, it moves from, from these big outward things, these, these huge outward sins that are so glaring that we like, you know, want to surrender to him. It becomes more and more about the why behind the what because the what starts to look good and he's not interested in just things looking good. He actually wants them to be good. And so um, I, was, I was just praying about that and thinking about that. I, I remember, um, and I wanted to give a few examples of that, and, and I remember there was a time where, um, where I, I used to be on Twitter, and um, I haven't, I think I've tweeted like twice in the past five years or something, but I used to be on Twitter, and it was cool. I would write what I felt like, you know, stuff God was showing me. And then I remember one day I saw someone that I knew that quoted me but didn't quote me. You know, like they wrote something as if it was something they came up with. And I was like, I said that to them. <laughs> And it bothered me. It did. I'm not, a, I'm not like proud of it, but it's just the truth. Like in that moment, I saw that they wrote something that I said and they didn't give me the credit that I deserved. And it bugged me to the point that I felt like sending them a picture of it and being like, that's really good. <laughs> just so that they would know that I knew. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I thought about it. I liked it. That way they would see that I saw I did. I'm proud of it, but I did. But here's the thing. On the outside, anybody seeing me like that, qu- that quote has no clue that it was coming from a place in my heart that wasn't right. That's why you can't, be, you can't concern yourself with what people would say about you or what people watching would say because the outside can look good. The outside of the cup can be clean while the inside is still dirty. And that's why we have to let the Lord deal with our heart and our reasons behind what we're doing more than we're concerned with what it is that we're doing and using that as proof that we must be doing what God's called us to because look at the fruit. He said you'll know them by their fruit. Here's the problem with that is that he's not talking about outward things that man can do. He's talking about inward fruit that only the Spirit of God can produce because men can on the outside produce all kinds of things that look like fruit. Only the Spirit of God can over a lifetime produce patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, meekness, all the, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, and, and all that. So, so I, I, was, I was bugged, 
And I, I, I think I even showed you. I think I showed Patty. I'm sure I did. I show her everything. We talk about everything. And, and, um, and, and I was like, I mean, look at this. Like, the least they could do is at least, you know, acknowledge that it was like me. You know, and I was having a self-righteous little temper tantrum. Now, mind you, all I've done so far is build a case in my own head and like a tweet. Outside looking in, my life is way better than when I was selling drugs and abusing people and abusing my own body and, and addicted to getting high. Like, if you're looking at things from the outside, it seems pretty good. Truthfully, like, what's wrong with that? But the problem is, is that there's something in my heart that's not right that's causing me to think the way that I'm thinking. And so I remember I was, I was really, really bothered about it. I mean, it's embarrassing how bothered I was that they weren't giving me... And then, and then, and then people replied to their... And listen, people replied to their tweet and told them how good that was, and they were like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, here the Lord is prompting you to say, actually, I didn't say that, Roy did and you took that opportunity to even steal more of my glory. <laughs> no, it's gross, but this is the case I'm building in my head. I'm thinking, the Lord is trying to give you opportunity after opportunity to be humble and confess that that wasn't your saying. And here you are using that to even further build your little kingdom. <laughs> the Twitter kingdom. I, I, that, yeah, I, that's what I had to do eventually. But here's the thing, is that outwardly looking at my life, you would never know that this stuff was going on inside it. And if I wanted to, I could ignore that and I could even justify that and say, well, I, you know, it's just because like, I feel like you know, maybe they, they're trying to, at my expense, gain credit for things that they never even sought the Lord for. And I could try to justify that and I could try to make a way that it was okay for me to feel that way because we'll justify anything that we want to keep. We will justify anything that we want to allow in our lives. We're good at it. Think about it. Anything that you want to give a place in your life, you'll come up with a justification for, and it doesn't really matter how gross it is, how weird it is, or how not Christ-like it is. And, and here's the thing, too. I bet I could have went to some people and told them about what happened and what this person did, and they might have even justified me feeling that way. And now not only do I feel this way, but other people do too. And now I'm really right. Because I'm always right, but now I know I'm right because they said I'm right too. And so I was, I, I was, I was praying about it. This was years and years ago, and I was praying about it. And I felt like the Lord said, why are you so bothered? And I said, because they, they took something they got from me, acted like it was theirs, and then put it out there for everyone to read. And he said, well, where did you get it from? Yeah. I don't like where this conversation's heading. <laughs> I'm going to go in the other room. You know the whole thing of like, where could I go to escape your presence? Yeah. If I went to the highest heights, there you would be. If I made my bed in Sheol, there your presence would find me. You can't get away from a conversation the Lord's wanting to have with you by going in the other room because he was there before you got there. And, and, and he's way more committed to having this conversation than you are to getting away from it. And, and he said, where did you get it from? I said, from you. And he said, why did I give it to you? I'm going in the other room. <laughs> and I said, well, because 
it was something you wanted me to share. It was revelation. Like it was something you wanted me to tell people about your heart. And he said, then why would it bother you if more people heard it than just the people that heard you? Why wouldn't you be excited about that? Because if it truly is something that can change someone's life, you probably want as many people hearing it as possible. Why do you care who gets the credit when it wasn't yours to begin with? And I, I repented. And this is what repentance is. It's the Lord showing us something in our heart that is not from Him and that is contrary to the way that He thinks and the way that He is. And when He shows us that, we change the way that we think to the way that He thinks. And we come into line with Him rather than trying to beg Him to come into line with us. So true repentance is not just I know something is wrong. True repentance is I see what's wrong, but I also see what's right. And so I turn from what's wrong. I align myself with what is right. I align myself with truth. And in doing so, I turn my back on the thing that was trying to pull me in the wrong direction, and I step into the light, and I walk in the direction that you have for me. And like, that's an easy one to talk about, because nobody really, you know, you guys all laugh, but we could talk about all kinds of other things that we've allowed into our lives, or we've allowed into our hearts that the Lord wants to deal with. And so, um, so I, was, I was thinking about that this week, and I, I thought of the verse, um, actually, first service, I thought of this, and then I, I figured I'm going to preach it. I didn't preach this first service, but... Um, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, well, verse 14 starts. It says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. And I was thinking about how the enemy really doesn't care what it is that springs up in your heart as long as something other than the Word of God and the character of Jesus is springing up in your heart. He's content. And so I was also thinking about how when he tried to tempt Jesus, he didn't come to him with things that were outright evil. He came to him with things that actually Jesus would do one day. There would be a time where Jesus would cast himself before the Father, put himself in the hands of angry men, and trust his life to God, just like when he brought him up onto the temple and said, why don't you just give your life to the Lord and trust him with your life? And he said, you're not going to, you know, it's written you shouldn't put God to the test. There's another time where it says, and the kingdoms of this earth belong to the Lord. The earth and all its inhabitants belong to, so everything on the earth belongs to Jesus. And the enemy brings him up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, I'll give you all of this, which was all going to be his anyways, if you just bow down and worship me. Everything belonging to him wasn't a bad thing. It was the reason that he would be gaining everything that belonged to him in that moment that was wrong. It was the why, not the what, that was wrong. He brings him to a pile of stones, and he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to be made to bread. What was wrong with Jesus turning stones into bread? Nothing. He would turn water into wine. He would multiply food at times. It would be the reason he was doing what he was doing. He was responding to the enemy rather than to the heart of the Father. And even if the what looked good, the why behind it would be tainted. And I was, I was just, I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, it is so easy if we're not careful for the little root of bitterness to spring up in us. And I found myself this week dealing with something where I, 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 the, the why or the what would have looked good, but the why was actually really, really wrong. And the Lord dealt with me on it. And, I was, and what it was is I, I, there were some things said about our church and, and they were negative things, just being honest. And, and, um, and really hurtful things, you know, destructive things. And so there was this, there was a part of me without even realizing it for a couple of days that had this idea of wanting to grow and do and build and these different things. 
And I started to realize, wait a minute, I'm wanting to do these things so that I prove this person wrong. I'm responding to evil and letting my actions be dictated by something that's coming from the enemy rather than the, every word that proceeded from the mouth of the Father. And here's the problem, is that if I would have like went forward with these different things I was thinking of and allowed that motive into my heart, the longer I went, the more that would influence people and the more destruction it would bring. And it says, let, let therefore no root of bitterness spring up in you, lest many be defiled. What's it meaning? It means that when you allow that stuff into your heart and your motivation and the motive of your heart becomes tainted, it doesn't just affect you, it affects a bunch of other people as well. It affects the people in your home or the people that you, at, your, at your job or the people that are employed or the people in ministry that you minister with. It can affect so many people. And here's the thing. The whole time, the what can look so good to people and everyone around you could have a pure heart, yet they're doing what they're doing out of something that is defiled in you because you're responding to something that was from the enemy rather than the voice of the Lord. And so I, I felt like the Lord was wanting to deal with that in me. And so what I did was I, I first I confessed it to my wife. I said, hey, I, I just, the last couple of days I've been having these thoughts. Because the Bible says, confess your sins, therefore one to another, right? That you may be healed. And so that thing had a way into my heart. Somehow there was something that allowed that in. And if I would have allowed that thing to stay there, it would have done two things. It would have grown. Why? Because a root has no intention of remaining a root. It wants to become a plant. It wants to spring forth. It wants to actually sprout, and it wants to bear fruit. A root has no intention of remaining a root under the ground where no one can see it. You know the easiest time for you to deal with it? When it's under the ground and no one can see it. But you know it's there. You know why you're thinking what you're thinking right now, and you know the motivation behind it. You know why you're doing the things that you're doing right now, and you know the motivation behind it, even if others don't. And if we would allow God to deal with our hearts, he can show us, wait a minute, this looks well and good. There was nothing wrong with Jesus turning stones into bread, except for this. It wasn't what the Father called him to do. It was what the enemy was trying to get him to do. And so the what is a whole lot less important than the why behind it. And so I, I was talking to Patty. She was, um, she was on vacation, and I was, we were just talking, and I said, man, I've seen the very thing that I'm like praying against for someone else try to spring up in me and have a way into my life because of what was said. And, and, I, and that's wrong, and I feel like God's dealt with my heart on that, and, and I just I want to repent. I've been confessing it to you. I've, I've been thinking these things, and they're coming from not the Father. They're coming from something in my heart that's not good, and I just don't want that. And so it does, it does two things in that moment when we, when we open up and confess that to somebody else. One, it shines light on the darkness, and the enemy has no voice because he's been spotted. You see what it is, and he can't hide anymore. The second thing it does is it opens up people around you's eyes to what's trying to happen in your heart so that if they see it trying to spring up, they can actually come to you because now they've been made aware of something that maybe you've been dealing with. Think about this. And and I talked to another one of my friends, and I told him the same thing, and I confessed to him. I said, man, I I was thinking all this stuff, and I was like, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And, And all of a sudden, it was like God opened my heart and showed me the motive behind it, and it was so evil, it was so disgusting. But everybody probably would have been excited about the what, and I would have been stuck with the why. And the more it grew, the bigger voice it has, the more people are involved, and people become defiled by following somebody or listening to somebody or joining together with somebody that might even be doing something that looks good on the outside but is coming from an evil place. And so, I, I, and I told my friend this, 
And so now here's the deal. Now they're aware of something that the enemies try, have been trying to attack me with. So they can do a few things. One, they can pray for me. They can be on their face and say, Lord, I, I just I lift up you know, Roy to you, and I, I pray that you would keep the motive of his heart pure. God, I thank you that nothing the enemy would say would cause him to respond, that he would only respond to what he hears you say and what he sees you doing. God, if anything's said that would try to have a voice, I pray that you would strike it down. And they can actually, that's how we go to war for each other, because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits. And so there's a spirit that's trying to make its way in, and it's something that's being done against you, wants to reproduce itself in you. That's why the Bible says if there, that if anyone falls, that those among you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness and humility, lest you yourselves be tempted and led astray. What's it saying? It's saying be really careful that when you see something going on with somebody, you stay in a place of gentleness and humility. Otherwise, that thing might find a way back into your heart and start trying to reproduce exactly what it's already producing that you see that you hate in someone else. And so, um, so I, just, I, I wanted to, 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 to share that to say like, I feel like there's this, there's this place where it's like God has taken a lot of people in this room, in his church in general, not just in this room, and, and you've had that experience where it's like you were the, you were the, the gold that was down in the, in the muck, and you were surrounded by dirt and rocks and boulders, and nobody even saw anything of value when they walked by. You were stepped on by people, and nobody thought anything about you. And, but the Father knew you were there, and he knew what he created you for, and he knew that it didn't matter how many layers of dirt surrounded you, that underneath all the dirt, underneath the rocks, underneath the worthless stuff that it accumulated over the years, there was something of value. And if he could get his hands on you, he could actually bring you out from where you were and place you where he wanted you. And I feel like a lot of people have experienced that, but I feel like the Lord is saying, listen, don't settle for just being pulled from the muck and the mud and being as, as pure as you were the day that you were born again. Settle in, in your heart, I'm saying, that you're as pure as Jesus because of the robe of righteousness. But I'm saying that, that with the way that we live and, our, and, and the motives of our heart and the things that we allow, listen, there may be things that were okay for you when you were first born again that the Lord has called you to come out from now that you've been walking with him for a while. And it's not because there's sin, it's because he wants more from you. And there's things in your life that if you continue to give your time to, you can't give the time that he's asking you to give to the things he wants you to give him to. There's every chance that, 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 you're, that something that was okay 10 years ago is no longer okay for you. As you continually are purified. Because he's saying, listen, there's something there that is so pure and so beautiful. And if you'll re- submit to the refining process, I'll go after the little things that you can't even see. And I'll show you that they're there so that you become more and more pure the further you go and the more you submit yourself to me and to my work. And I feel like for in this church, I'll just close up with this thought. I feel like that there's a lot of people in this church who have gone through that process of becoming born again and really understand what it is to be a new creation. You've understood, like you saw the filth and the junk of your life, and you've said, God, I I need a Savior. I can't save myself. And and you've come to him, and you've given him your junk. You've given him the ugly. You've given him the bad. This is what he wants from you. Like, he doesn't want you to carry that around. He paid the price so that you didn't have to live your life with the guilt and the shame for the things that you did in ignorance or even willfully. He wants you to be able to cast that upon him so that he can take that from you. He wants to take that filthy robe and give you a robe of righteousness. It says your righteousness is as filthy rags, but he never intended you for, to, for you to walk around in your righteousness. He intended for you to take the righteousness that was bought by his blood being shed on the cross and that being the righteousness that covers you. It's the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the exchange that's supposed to happen. You know, people say all the time, well, you know, our righteousness is, is filthy rags before the Lord. It is. That's why he paid for you to have a righteousness that's not your own so that you could stand before him pure, holy, blameless, upright, beyond reproach. 
You know that's what the word says about you, that he's able to present you before the Father that way? Pure, holy, blameless, upright, beyond reproach. And I feel like that's that, that, that salvation has taken place in so many people's lives. And I feel like the enemy would love for us to settle into that place and not continually keep submitting to the refining process that God wants to do. And, and I feel like the temptation is this. The temptation is to look at what's going on in my life and compare it to what used to go on in my life and justify where I am because of where I was. Here's the problem. You're, the life that he died for you to be set free from isn't the standard he is. We were never meant to compare ourselves among ourselves. The Bible talks about that. We were meant to compare ourselves to him. He's the standard. He's who we're called to follow. He's who we're called to imitate. He's who we're called to become like. He's who the Spirit of God is living inside of us to transform us into the image of. And so I just I, I want to I, I just want to challenge us, like just maybe sometime this week or, or whenever. I mean, it just there's this prayer that we pray all the time. My wife prays it. I pray it. I know a lot of you guys do, and it's just search my heart, God, and show me if there's anything in me that's not of you. Search my heart, God. Because here's the truth. Like any of us can have an area of deception in our lives if we're not careful. And nobody wants to be deceived. Nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, God, could I just be deceived today? I'd love to have something disgusting going on that I don't know is there and justify it and think that it's good. Sign me up. Nobody does that. No, it comes through these little things that happen. And if we're not careful and we don't catch it when it's a little root, it starts to become a tree. And that tree starts to grow branches and the branches start to produce buds and the buds become fruit. And the fruit of our lives, by the time we see the what is tainted, the why has been long tainted. That's the problem. And the easiest time to catch it is long before the fruit starts to show up when there's just a little root down there and asking him, God, if there's any root of bitterness in me, if there's anything in my heart that's trying to grow and produce fruit that's not of you, would you show me it so that we can uproot this, God? Search my heart, Lord. Don't ever let me be content by pointing to the what. Because the what can be manipulated. The why can't. Show me the why, God. Show me if I'm living for myself. Show me if I'm living out of hurt. Show me if I'm living in response to something that was done to me that has nothing to do with who you are. You understand that's a way the enemy has into so many people's lives. It comes through offense. It comes through hurt. It comes through people mistreating them. And the problem with that is, is if we're living selfishly, we take it personally. And then that gives that a place to live. And pretty soon we're living in response to what people did to us rather than what he's done for us. And nobody wants that. Like nobody wakes up in the morning and says, God, let me respond today out of bitterness and hurt in my heart. No, it just happens. It's deceptive. It's sneaky. But here's one way you can be sure that it won't. Is to be, be before him and actually be honest and be open and say, Lord, search me and show me if there's things that are not of you. God, even if they're not bad things, God, if they're not yours, I don't want them. God, even if there's a day you're calling you that, that you'll ask me to do the very thing that the enemy tried to get me to do, if it's not you asking me to do it, I don't want to do it because I want the why to be you, no matter what the what looks like. And so ask him that. And the other thing is, is when he shows you things, be open with your friends about them. Have people in your life that you love and that love you. And let them know that this is something that's been going on. Because here's the truth. Maybe they already see it. And maybe they've just been praying for you and they've been hoping and asking God, God, would you just show them what's going on? And by you being honest and saying, hey, I feel like this has been happening, that, you know, this has been coming against me, it's been attacking me, it just confirms, A, that they're seeing, right? And B, it gives them a place to then speak into that where they maybe are afraid to do that beforehand because they didn't want to hurt you. Be open with each other. Be honest about things. 
But most of all, be honest with ourselves. Because we know why we're doing what we're doing. We know the reason. We know if it's 95% good. Because here's the thing, 95% good is a whole lot better than 60% good. But he's not content with you staying at 95% good. He wants 100%. You've never come to a place where he says, okay, I'm done. You look enough like my son. There's always going to be something he's saying. Would you die a little more? Would you give a little more? Would you go a little further? Would you love a little stronger? Would you love a little bit longer? Would you go a little bit further than what you've gone before? Would you be a little bit more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? So God, I just pray that for us as a a family, but for your church, God, that we would never settle for just simply being plucked from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light, Father, but that we would continually submit ourselves to the leading of your spirit as he guides us into all truth. You know, the only way the spirit of God can lead you and guide you into a truth is if the place you were wasn't truth. So if Jesus said he'll lead you and guide you into all truth, that means there has to be places in my life where where I am isn't the truth that he wants to take me from and bring me into. And it's a continual process. So, Father, I thank you for that. I ask that we would just continually yield ourselves to your spirit, God. That when things spring up, rather than just putting the thing aside, we would get alone with you and let you deal with the why. That it wouldn't be enough for us to simply like a tweet and just complain to one person, but that we would wrestle with that, God, and we would allow you to speak into that place so that that fruit that's starting to appear would wither at the root, God, and would have no place in us so that we could stand before you with the confidence of Jesus and say, the enemy has no place in me. That we're not giving things away to the land because we're taking them personally and we're living in response to anything other than your word, God. But that we would be like Jesus who said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, God. If what we're living in and what we're doing isn't motivated by a word from your mouth, let it stop and let it be gone. And deal with our heart, God. Make us more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen.